Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. All right, well, <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, I, as we were launching the, you know, launch day, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, I know I came up here and kind of mentioned what I'm going after, and, and that's the, the presence of God, the journey of God. And as I was writing it down, I was like, man, I should, I should kind of open this up and, and talk about it. So today I, I wanted to really get into that, what I'm pursuing personally, and, and hopefully you can either really relate to it or you can take an aspect of it and say, you know, I want an aspect of that in my own journey. Because it might not be your full passion, but it's something that you could still go after. Um, and really what that is for me is this, this journey that is with God. That life is not just working for God, performing for God, but it is actually with Him. That life is this friendship with God. That can I wake up and say, God is my best friend. Is God my best friend today? Is God not just like, not the reward for doing things right and coming out, out of a challenge well, and then I get to have connection with God, but is God a friend in the midst of the challenge? He's right there with me. Man, these last two messages from Sam and RC, they were so good. Oh my gosh, that was like, basically that's my message today. <laughs> and they probably did it better than I could, so just rewatch those and that, that's what I'm pursuing. But it is just that God is so with us. He is always with us. His presence is always there. And that, that journey just to become aware of his presence, it's beautiful. And at the end of my life, I hope that if I was given the option of saying, you know, I did so much for God, but I, I felt alone in the process. Or if I had the option to say, maybe I did less, but I saw the connection with God in the midst of it. I would probably choose this. And I, I would probably have this, this joy in my heart to say, you know, m maybe I did less, but I did it with God. And that was such a wonderful journey. That's what's, what's beautiful in my heart. That's what I'm pursuing. Galatians 2.20 is uh, just a, a huge verse from my life. And it's Galatians 2.20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me we live in union as one I love that line we live in union as one my new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dis dispenses his life into mine. In the Greek, that word can actually be dispenses his life into us. That we're so one, we're so connected that it, he's dispenses, dispensing his life into us. Isn't that cool? I like that. So really switching from this perspective of living for God, which is true, I want to live for God, but it's really about living with God. That I just want to do everything all of it, the challenges, the ups and the downs, with him, that he's with me. And in that challenge, I, I love 
uh, Jacob's ladder as a great picture for this. He wakes up from his dream, and he says this in Genesis 28. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And that is such a great picture for our union in God is that he's so one with us that it just becomes this awareness of it. It's not that he leaves and he comes back. It's that he's always there and it is, it is hopefully this prayer to say, God, let me see how real you are, how one with me you already are. It's beautiful. I love it. So that's what I'm going after. And uh, I realized that you know, I could do a, a message about practicing the presence of God and becoming aware, but I realized there's one revelation that's been, meant so much to me to actually have a foundation for this. And this one revelation I, I think is the most important foundation I, I could ever establish in my own life and for all of us so that we can have this level of connection, this level of friendship that I, I so desperately want with Jesus. And that one revelation is this. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And really, I want to look at the gospel through a lens of identity this morning. Because when I look at the gospel, classically, it's, it's a lot of times focused on choices. But today, I want to kind of take choices to the side and focus on the gospel through a lens of identity. What happens in identity? It feels quiet this morning. Are you guys okay? Okay. <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Through a lens of identity. Um, when it's on choices, sometimes the gospel can kind of look like performance Christianity. It can lean to like Without the gospel, without the gospel of identity, a lot of times having great connection with God looks like performance. It looks like you have to perform well enough, do enough, so that you can have a really great friendship with God. And, and, and to be loved by God, you have to really do a lot. You have to be great in the eyes of God, doing great things to have this level of friendship, this level of connection that I'm wanting, that we're desperate for. And what ends up happening is we don't have that level of connection because inevitably we're not doing enough. And even if we're doing great, it's like, but there's always more. So can I really have that level of connection, that level of friendship with God? No. And, and what happens is we, we begin to try and protect a great performance. And when you're trying to protect a great performance because we don't have the gospel of identity in place and grace in place, we're trying to protect this. And that comes out of a motivation of self-preservation. And if you break that down, it's really out of a mo motivation of fear. If I don't do enough, God won't love me. If I don't do enough, God won't accept me. If I don't do enough, I'm not significant to him. This is all a motivation of self-preservation, which is really, when you break it down, it's fear. And so if we can embrace the gospel of just identity, how it's an identity shift, it can free up our choices to be motivated by love, and it says, that says, I'm protecting connection. 
It's either I'm protecting myself through performance or I'm protecting my connection with God. So choices are important, and I'm going to get to that later. But I want to first establish what's so important as the foundation, this gospel. All right? I turned off. Hopefully my face works. Okay. All right, so let's go. Romans 5.19. And I want to just build that the gospel, I think, makes a lot more sense through identity versus just purely choices. Okay, Romans 5.19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. This is the disobedience of Adam. Many people were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So a lot of times we think, okay, what makes a person a sinner? Is it their choices? A lot of times, historically, that's what I thought. Your own choices. But this verse is saying it was actually Adam's choice. Adam's one choice made everyone prior to Jesus the identity sinner. That's it. It wasn't their own choices. It was Adam's. You have the identity sinner. And this is saying through the one person's obedience, Jesus, that makes people a saint. Not our own choices. His one choice to die on the cross for you. <laughs> made you. Made you a saint. So you're either, either made a sinner or you are made a saint. That's it. Take the choices aside. That is it. Okay. Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness, being a saint, could be gained through the law, through your performance, through your choices, then Christ died for nothing. See, if it wasn't for that, like, we should have a performance culture. We should have a performance of getting to God is about your own choices. Getting to God, being loved by God, being significant and valuable to him should be your choices, and let's build a performance culture around that because without Jesus, we could have done it, if that were true. But it's saying, that's impossible. It was impossible to be made a saint apart from him dying on the cross. Impossible. All right. I love, have you guys seen The Chosen? The Chosen series? Oh, that has been one of just the best series on Jesus. I, I could, it's better than I imagined. Just so good. But I love when he, when Jesus sits down with Nicodemus. I love how they portray Nicodemus all throughout it. I love it. But this is, this is what it reminds me of, it, and it's in John 3, 3. And he's talking, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus responded, how can this be? How can this be? But Jesus is saying, it, it's impossible. You have to be born again. You have to be made into a different identity. And Nicodemus is like, how can that be? How can you be made a different identity? Is it your choices still? No. Something had to happen. And this is what I want to get into. Something had to happen because we were made into an identity of a sinner and we needed to be born again. And what happened, and I love this, is we had to die. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Jesus came on the cross so that we could die. <laughs> we could die in this identity so that we could be raised up as something else a brand new creation. We had to die. Romans 6, 6 says this, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 5.24, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. We died for everyone connected with our self, for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. Notice how all of those are past tense. It is not like, let's try and keep dying as much as possible. It is, you died with Jesus on the cross. It's finished. You are, that identity is dead. Completely dead. 46 times in the epistles, it re references that you are dead to sin as opposed to you are dying. Thirteen, 13 times in the epistles, uh, it refers to sinner, and not one of those times is it referring to a saint. Does that make sense? So sinner was never referring to someone who's already a saint. That's done. We are a new identity. And it, it's, it's interesting because we hear this, and it's great on Sunday morning, but I can leave, and then I, I'm not perfect. And so half of the day is gone, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not perfect. So what do I do with my theology there? And a lot of times we create theology around our experience because I don't get this. So let me, I, I, I just heard that I'm dead, but that's not true. So I'm going to learn that I'm dying again, that I have to perform for this to be dead because I obviously saw that's not true. And so we create theology around experience instead of what the word actually says. You're dead to sin. That identity is dead. You are a new creation. And that's diff uh, it's, it's difficult. But we're not dying. We are dead. All right. Here's another angle at it. <coughs> I'm not much of a science person, but I if you're really into that, you might correct me, and that's okay. But it will sound good for this, at least. But matter can go through 
different changes. And there are physical changes um, that are reversible, like an ice cube with water. If ice melts its water, it went through a physical change, but that can be reversed. Water can go right back to ice if, if you freeze it. Then there are chemical changes that are not reversible. That once it happens, it is finished. Imagine a log being burned up. You can't go back to the previous log. It's just burned up. Or there's certain alloys when you, when you melt metal together. That there's two different metals, there's two different substances that when they're melted together, they create this new alloy that cannot go back to the previous form. It is impossible. Once it is this new creation, it is impossible to go back to what it was. And that is what happens with us. There is no reversible thing because of your choices. There's no, well, you, you were a sinner, God died on the cross, so now you're a saint, but then 10 minutes later you failed, so you're right back here. That's a physical change, water going back. And that's a lot of times what we think as Christians, right? We think, okay, I have to try so hard through my efforts to maintain, don't melt down, Daniel. Don't melt down, and then inevitably, I just melted down, I'm sorry. Like, that's a physical change. The cross was a chemical change. It changed the very substance of who you are. It changed how you were made. You were made into a sinner. After the cross, you were made as a saint that is righteous before his eyes. And now, you are a new creation. Now you are a new creation. I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like, because it's good. Ephesians 4, 24. <coughs> and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life, and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. That's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 6, I'll start in verse 3, or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into, into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father, Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. All to say this, this is a lot. I'm sorry that was wordy. But it's really backed by scripture. All this is really backed by scripture, I promise you. You are a new creation. Like, you're that new substance. It's a chemical reaction that cannot go back through your performance. It is not this, like, trying to maintain, like, ah, through performance, or else we might go back to being a sinner. You're a new creation, and that new substance is not just you. It's you in your union with him. 
that when God sees you, he sees you and Jesus together as a new creation. That's the new alloy, per se. That is the new substance of who you are. I'm not saying you're God. Sam mentioned that. It's true. <laughs> We're not God, but we are so united with him. We are so one with him. It is, it is a beautiful new identity that we actually become the righteousness of God. That's crazy. That's amazing. It's good news. See, either a massive identity shift happened at the cross or you are the maker of your identity and you have to perform to sustain that. I've been there. Our trust in becoming something shouldn't rest on our own efforts and our ability. It should rest on what Jesus did on the cross. He did the massive identity shift on the cross because we are united with Jesus. Your identity is now you and Jesus together. Isn't that amazing? Wow. <coughs> 12 years ago, maybe 11, I don't know when it was. It was a long time ago. Um, I was really stuck in performance Christianity, like really, really stuck. And, and I, there's something in me that I like, I have a desire for greatness. So with whatever I, um, I'm trying to tackle, it's just in me of like, I have to be the absolute best. And that did not bode well when it's mixed with performance Christianity. When that's mixed in, it, it creates the, this feeling that I was, I was never enough. My performance was never enough. And I wanted so badly to have connection with God, but it was, I could have tastes of it. Uh, I could come into a Sunday morning and we're all doing it, so maybe I'll get a taste of more of his presence because it's not just me, it's in a combination of a lot of people. But it, when it's just me, I'm not enough. And my performance is not enough. And I was, I was so <laughs> exhausted I was exhausted, feeling like a failure, feeling like no matter what I did, it was never enough. And I remember <coughs> very clearly, I was actually living with Kent at the time. I was, in, I was in my room, though, and I was praying with God, and I, I felt his voice so clearly in this moment. It just hit my heart. And I remember him saying this, Daniel, this whole time, you've been trying to prove to me who you are. But really this entire time, I've been trying to prove to you who you really are. He's trying to prove to me who I really am. While that entire time I was so stuck in performance of, God, I can, let me try and prove that I'm enough. Let me try and prove through my performance that I can do enough and, uh, and I can be significant to you, and, uh, but I'm just not. And in that moment, he just, he flipped the script. He flipped it all around. And, and, and one thing that was so powerful in that moment is that he, he just had zero fear over my performance. He had zero fear over my performance of who I really am. He just had this, this perfect confidence in his heart of, I know who you really are. And I'm the one trying to prove it to you. And so the way forward is not you trying to perform more. The way forward is just listen to how I see you. Listen to what I think of you. Because I actually know who you're going to be like in heaven, and that's kind of who I see what you're like right now. 
And so when you fail, Daniel, when you mess up, when you're not everything you want to be, I'm not concerned that, oh no, that's who you are now. He's not, because he knows who I am. And he was just saying, even when you fail, I'm the one who knows. I'm not afraid. I'm confident. Let me speak to you and prove to you who you really are. That is made possible because of the gospel. Because of this new identity, this new creation of who we are, the old is dead. It's gone. And that's really good news. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> Romans 12.2. This kind of changed my whole perspective on Romans 12.2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That made a whole lot more sense after that moment of just the way forward in transformation is not through more effort, but just, I want to agree with what you say about me, God. That's a big chunk of it. And then probably, God, how do you see other people? <laughs> and, and how do you see yourself? I want to know more of how you see you. All right. <coughs> so why is this so important? Why is this foundation of righteousness, foundation of the gospel so important? It's because I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not. And if the gospel's not there, then every time I fail, I have disconnection with God. Every time I fail, now God's love is not truly unconditional, it's conditional. And how often do we, we sink into that lie that his love is actually conditional? So the gospel sets up real connection. That we can always connect to his heart. That he is intimately close to me and intimately joined to my life and my journey. No matter what happens, he's there. And he sees the best in me. That no matter what now, his love is constantly aimed at you. His love, his affection is constantly aimed right at you because of the gospel. And his pursuit to move towards you no matter what is constantly there because of the gospel. It's awesome. And so my whole pursuit of wanting to live this life so close to Jesus and, and an amazing friendship, this foundation has to be there. This foundation of the, the gospel has to be there because without it, connection is so hard. It, it's just so hard to, to maintain that, to sustain that, to be that, that ice that is like constantly, oh no, I'm gonna melt, I'm gonna melt down. Ah, the, the, this fear over that. But the gospel is there because he wants connection to be as easy as possible. As easy as possible. That he's just all over you. I remember even, even last week in worship, I just felt like, man, I could be, I was feeling like, man, I could be more as a, as a person, I could be more as a father, and I was, I was in that place, and we were in worship, and I just felt like, wow, but I feel his goodness pointed right at me. Like, his love and his goodness is pointed right at me when I'm not feeling like I deserve it. That's the point, to make connection as easy as possible to make his goodness towards you as easy as possible. Um, and it should, 
it should change our motivation. Like I mentioned earlier, without the gospel, it is about self-preservation. I have to perform to maintain this. I have to perform to be good enough. And if you break that off, and that's not there anymore, then what can it be? And I would say this, it's about prioritizing connection with him, protecting that. And I, I want to get into that. Because choices are important. And I want to give an, an analogy with Emily and I. Emily and I, it, say if we're absolutely perfect with that, this foundation in a marriage. We're, we're perfect with this. We unconditionally love each other. We are unconditionally seeing the best with each other. That is a wonderful foundation. But choices are still important because if I say, well, that's a great foundation, now I never have to interact with her again. <laughs> we may have the foundation of love there, but our connection would really hurt. And so the gospel is so important to set the stage, the foundation. That is it. And that it, if we have that, man, that really helps in our connection. But choices, there is a, an aspect where choices are important. So that's what I want to get into, all right? So John 15, and this has been my chapter for about a year, maybe two years. I'll start in verse 4. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Let me stop. Let me read that. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. So I want to pose this question. What's more important, to prioritize doing things for God or just staying in connection? Because this would kind of tell me, if you prioritize connection, this will happen. Let me, let me continue here, though. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live your life union with me and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So this can be interpreted in two different ways, right? Because without the gospel, and if we have a performance mentality, it can kind of look like, okay, if you do a whole lot, then you can have connection with me. If you do a whole lot, then you can be my mature disciples. And through the lens of the gospel, which I just tried to put a foundation towards, I hope that the interpretation becomes when you're really protecting relationship with me and close to my heart you'll prove that you are my disciples because you'll be doing that. Is that making sense? You can interpret it two ways. I understand that. But I would see it as when you protect your union with Christ, fruitfulness will happen. That is the natural flow of everything. John, well, I'll go, I'll down, go down here. Um, <coughs> John 14. Loving me empowers you. 
I'll just read that over and over. Loving me empowers you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you as a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. you where's our seat? Oh, <laughs> I expected you were there. You're wrong. Okay. You preached this the other, it was so good. So good. I love how you worded it. It was like, just like me, of like what the disciples were experiencing in that moment. It was like, no, the Holy Spirit will be just like that. That was so good, R.C. Oh, I love that. <coughs> he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and, I, and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. The whole point is the gospel sets the stage so that our performance doesn't have to be trying to get this performance so that he loves us or that he sees us as significant or enough. That can be stripped away, the performance Christianity, because that is motivated by this self-preservation. That is motivated by fear. But through the foundation of the gospel, our hearts can be freed from that performance to say, what's really important to me is connection with him. And so our choices are still important, but our choices, the motivation becomes, I just want to stay connected. And when that's the priority, fruitfulness happens. Fruitfulness just naturally happens. Loving me empowers you. But this is the priority because you don't have to worry about how I see you. But we can do things that are intentional, just like in marriage. I wanna do things that are intentional so that we feel connected. We might have a great foundation of unconditional love and unconditional like you're significant, you're, you're amazing, you're valuable, I accept you, but I still need to interact with her. I still need to do things in order to feel connected to, pr to protect that above anything else. And that is so relatable with our, our relationship with God to protect that above anything else. Is this making sense? Good. <laughs> I'll say this. When I was going over this message, I, I felt like maybe the most important thing to go over is what does it look like to protect connection with God and obviously there is a practicing the presence of just saying yes to this natural flow of love towards you I think that's important but what I felt like God was saying is the most important thing is to just protect that foundation of grace that when when we're not protecting the foundation of grace <coughs> then it's it's impossible to connect with God it's impossible to have the friendship with God that we want if grace and, and that, that gospel message is not protected well. And I felt like that was the priority this morning, to just protect this well. That his love for you is 100% towards you right now. That he's not running away from you. He loves you so dearly. That is always on, no matter what. So I just want to pray into that. Um, <coughs> we'll move on. But before I do, I want to... 
just share a story from yesterday that it touched my heart because God spoke to me afterwards and Emily and I and our family were at the pool and uh, Noah and Emily went up to the, uh, the food shack, whatever it's called, to get some food and so Noah was there and I'm way on the other side, uh, on the other side of the pool and he's way up there, he, he had to get upstairs and every like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, he would look and say, Daddy, <laughs> hi. And mind you, it's not like there's 10 people at the pool. There's like probably 150 to 200 people at the pool and he's yelling over everyone. He's like, Daddy, hi. And I would do it back uh, every single time and then he would start to blow kisses and I would blow kisses back. And then, then he yelled, Daddy, I love you. And at that point, I was like, okay. And so I, I yelled out. It didn't matter who was there. I love you, Noah. And he says, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. See, now I have an option. Do I care about what anyone else is thinking? because there's a lot of people. <laughs> or do I just break it down to, it's just me and him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just about my relationship with him. And so I yelled it out louder, Noah, I love you. And I, I, I went away and I, I talked to Emily about this, of how, man, I want that in my connection with God. That regardless of anything else, no matter regardless of the fear of man, I just want it to be this relationship with God of you are my priority and I will yell it out because it's about you and me. And it's always been about you and me and you've done everything in your power to make it as easy as possible. You've set the stage, the foundation of grace. That's an amazing gospel that we are a new creation so that you can make it as easy as possible to connect with me. It's always been about that. And it's just saying yes to that. It's as easy as that. Saying yes to his love and affection that's pointed at you. So God, I, I just thank you. <coughs> and I just pray that you would speak to us in this moment of how you are just constantly yelling out to us, I love you. I love you. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I love you. I love you. And God, I, I just pray. <coughs> Again, I felt like it was, it was the core of this morning to say, I want to protect the foundation of grace and the gospel. To just receive it. And to protect that reality that you always love me. So God, I just pray that you would would help us in that. Remind us of moments where we've not protected that, where we focus on our performance and we, we don't focus on your grace. Remind us of those areas, those moments. I just encourage you to take those and give it to God. That every single one of those thoughts of why I'm not enough, why you wouldn't love me, why you wouldn't see me as significant, that we could just hand them to Jesus. And I just encourage you to see a picture of you handing those to Jesus. 
and it's okay to have feelings that don't line up to that. It's okay. Those feelings are not to lead you away from grace. They're to lead you to him. Every feeling that says, well, I'm not enough, that's okay to have that feeling. Take that to God. And see what he says. Feelings actually help guide us to that. That he'll love you no matter what. That we can live this beautiful connection and friendship with God because of the, the gospel of grace. God wants to be your best friend in life every day, not just on Sundays. Every day is his heart and it's his desire. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.